So as a parent, I want what's best for my kids. And uh, if you're a parent, you probably want the same. We want our kids to do really well in life. I want my, parents to do, my kids to do better than I did. Uh, I know my parents wanted the same. And so uh, as parents, we, we frequently share our wisdom, uh, some of us more freely than others. I have no problem giving unsolicited advice all the time to my kids. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I like uh, collecting uh, wisdom from parents because it's always interesting to me to, to hear what different families have shared down through the years. My dad passed a lot of wisdom, little aphorisms that he passed along. So uh, this week I got on my, my Facebook account and quizzed my Facebook friends, asked them to send me some wisdom that they had received from their, their parents. I wanted to share a few of these with you that I thought were, were kind of fun. Um, first one was trust dogs. They always know who to stay away from. Oh, that was good, right? being such a pet person as I am. <laughs> Trust in God and don't think about boys. Now, that's good advice, right? Don't go into computer science. Computers are a fad. Oops. You guys probably heard this one before. Measure twice, cut once. It's real common. My grandfather had a little permutation on that. He used to say, I cut it off twice and it was still too short. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Um, you can fall in love with a rich man just as easily as you can a poor man true. Speak as if grandma is in the room. Drive as if the police are behind you. That's good. When in doubt, always ask your mother. That's great advice for dads. <laughs> My mom's personal favorite, uh, always wear clean underwear. Why? Because you could be in a car accident, right, and have to go to the hospital, and you need to have clean underwear on, right? She told us that over and over and over again. That's wisdom, right? We want to we live wise lives, don't you? Did anyone wake up this morning thinking, today I'm going to wreck my life, right? Today I'm going to choose the path of foolishness. I just don't care. No, we, we don't intentionally set out to be foolish or make foolish decisions. We, we intuitively want to be wise. We want our lives to work well, and so does God. God wants us to really understand how life works and that there is a best path in life, and he wants to reveal that path to us, and that pathway is the path of wisdom, Wisdom is God's way, foolishness is our way. And so, in fact, there's an entire section of Scripture. It's known as, as the wisdom literature. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalm, Song of Solomon. That's wisdom literature. Uh, this summer, we're going to study the book of Proverbs, which we, that's kind of the first book we think of when we think of God's wisdom. And, and what I love about Proverbs is that it's just so practical. And I will tell you, I have for years and years and years read a chapter of Proverbs every single day. And I never get tired of it. I rotate translations. Uh, I hardly ever miss a day because every time I open up the book of Proverbs and I read a chapter, I could even read just a single verse and I've got something I can apply to my daily life every single day. And so I'm kind of excited. I, I love the book of Proverbs. I'm, we're going to study it. We're going to study topics that relate to everyday life throughout the book of Proverbs. I think it's going to be super practical. So let's uh, get going. Proverbs chapter 1 in our study, and we're going to read the prologue beginning in verse 1, chapter 1 through verse 9. It starts like this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. 
to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. So, start with a little bit of background. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? There actually are multiple authors of the book of Proverbs. King Lemuel wrote a short section. Augur wrote a short section. There's a whole section called the Sayings of the Wise. And then the largest number of Proverbs are written by Solomon, son of David, who's writing to his son, presumably uh, Rehoboam. Solomon was David's son, king of Israel. He reigned over the United Kingdom of Israel. This is before the division that happened under his son. So he reigned uh, for about 40 years, from about uh, maybe 970 B.C. to 931 B.C., and his reign was marked by prosperity. So I want you to hold your place here in Proverbs 1 and then turn back with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. And we're going to look at a little bit of background of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 23. So, so Solomon, King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. They brought every man his gift, articles of silver and gold, garments, weapons, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. Now Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, and he stationed them in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common as stones in Jerusalem, and he made cedars as plentiful as sycamore trees that are in the lowland. Also, Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew, and the king's merchants procured them from Kew for a price. A chariot was imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. By the same means, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Arameans, all around. So during Solomon's reign, there was peace and there was prosperity. His, his enemies were at peace with him. The borders of Solomon's kingdom expanded larger than they had ever been under David. He was known for his wisdom. People brought him gifts and tribute. It was just an incredible time of prosperity. Now, how did that come to be? Well, if you turn back to chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, and verse 5. We see the source of this blessing in Solomon's life. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give to you. Now, if the Lord came to you and said that, what would you say? What would your response be? Well, Solomon asked for one thing. He just asked for wisdom. It says, Then Solomon said, You've shown great loving kindness or loyal love to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen a great people who are too, too great to be numbered or counted, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Solomon says, 
you've put me in this position, and I don't know how to rule and reign. Would you give me wisdom? And God said, because you've asked for wisdom and you have not asked for just riches for yourself like other kings, I will give you wisdom, and I will also give you wealth. And so Solomon became exceedingly wealthy. He also became known for his wisdom. Look at chapter 4, verse 29. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was known in all of the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom. Everyone came. We need to learn from you, Solomon. Solomon was known as the wisest of all of the rulers of all of the known land in that time, but Solomon didn't finish well. Solomon was known for his wisdom, but he eventually turned from his wisdom and he became foolish. And his life became a complete wreck. His, His family unraveled and the kingdom and the generation after him was split. Well, what happened to Solomon? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, I think it is, or, the kings were uh, forewarned. Right? God predicted, he said, I'm gonna, at some point I'm going to give you kings, and when you have a king who's r- ruling and reigning over you, I want you to remind your kings not to do three things. First, don't multiply gold and silver for yourself. Second, don't multiply foreign alliances through uh, having wives, and don't multiply chariots and horsemen. Okay, all three things. Don't trust in your wealth. Don't multiply gold and silver. Don't, don't multiply foreign alliances through marrying foreign wives. And then uh, chariots and horsemen, don't trust in your military. In other words, just trust in me. Just trust in me. So what did Solomon do? Multiplied gold and silver. He multiplied chariots and horsemen. He multiplied foreign wives. Turn to chapter 11 and verse 1. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, nor shall, you associate, shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. <laughs> Can you imagine? 700 wives, 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. And his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Listen to this description. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not follow the Lord fully as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, on the mountain which is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the detestable idol of the sons of Ammon. 
Thus also he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense, and he sacrificed to their gods. So that's Solomon's life, right? Known as the wisest man on the face of the earth, but turned away from wisdom and ended his life foolishly. And as uh, Todd Berkey and I were talking in the hallway yesterday, he said, you know, I think I've discovered wisdom is fluid. You have to continue walking in wisdom for a lifetime. Now, the good news is this. Uh, we can still learn from the book of Proverbs and all of Solomon's writings, uh, even though he didn't end his life well, because ultimately God is the source of all wisdom, and he's the one who wrote the scripture through Solomon, right? Listen to these words of Job. He said, where then does wisdom come from, and where is the place of understanding? God understands its way, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God knows everything. He knows what's best. He knows what's right. And he can guide us in that way, and we can listen to his voice. But the exhortation to us is continue to walk in wisdom for a lifetime. So let's dig in a little bit deeper. What is a proverb? I want you to turn back to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The book opens like this, the Proverbs of Solomon. So what is a proverb? Well, it comes from a Hebrew verb, mashal, which means to be like. Can you just write that in the margin? It means to be like. So a proverb is a teaching based on a comparison. It's an observation about uh, something in daily life, and then a principle is drawn from that by way of comparison. Usually they're kind of short and pithy statements, so something like this. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What's the point? Well, Solomon looked out and he saw, how do you sharpen a blade? Well, it's iron on iron. Similarly, people sharpen themselves, and there's an implicit exhortation here. Therefore, surround yourself with people who make you sharp, not people who make you dull, right? So there's, there's just a, a principle there that you can immediately apply to your life. Now, what's, uh, another thing that's really interesting, if you read a, an introduction or a commentary on the book of Proverbs, what you'll discover is this kind of literature was everywhere in the ancient Near East. So there were Egyptian and Sumerian and Akkadian and Syrian and Aramean proverbs or wisdom literature everywhere. Remember when we read in 1 Kings, it says that Solomon was wiser than all of these people, and apparently everyone knew these wisdom writers. So it's a really common form of literature, often a pithy statement like this, but sometimes more of like an extended metaphor or an extended comparison. We'll read it in just a moment, but in uh, Proverbs 8, wisdom is personified as this beautiful woman who's inviting anyone who wants to be enriched by her to come. Right? And she's encouraging and she's exhorting and she's warning, follow my way because my way works. Don't follow your own way because your own way won't work. So it could be a short statement, it could be a long statement, but the point is that uh, wisdom, wisdom works. Right? This is just kind of how life works. Uh, Proverbs aren't promises. Uh, they're described as maxims. These are general truths. Uh, does it always come true immediately? Well, not necessarily, but eventually Gravity's true, it affects everyone. You can suspend it for a moment, but eventually it'll catch up, right? So if you look at Proverbs chapter three, as an illustration, verse one. Solomon said, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So if you live wisely, will you live a longer life? Generally, yes. Are there exceptions? Sure. If you live foolishly, will your life be shorter? Generally. Yes, are there exceptions sometimes? Remember, we're studying the book of James. We said James is really relying heavily on the book of Proverbs, and his point was 
that you know the, the end of sin is death. Foolish life normally causes life to be shorter and less pleasant. And wise choices, good choices, lead to a longer life. These are generally true. Can you avoid the consequences of wise and foolish choices, in a sense, for a while? Yeah, but eventually, this is the way life works. This is the way life works. And that's the point of a proverb, in a sense, is to reveal the way that life works. So, why study proverbs? Um, Read with me again the prologue here. There are five purpose statements here in the prologue. Solomon starts like this. He says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So there are five purpose clauses given, and there's a variety of words that are just vocabulary that's almost synonymous, but the root of it is uh, wisdom. The root of the wisdom literature, the idea is this, that God knows how life works, and God's way is best. And God wants what's best for all of us. He wants to graciously reveal the best way to us. And all that we have to do is say yes to his way, And no to our way. Our way is a way of foolishness and destruction. God's way is the way that is best. And also, the world hasn't changed. You read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that the world uh, was broken then, the world is broken now. And I would argue there are even more opportunities to be foolish today than there were in Solomon's day, right? There are more ways that are easily, that you can easily wreck your life today. And then also, all of your, your bad mistakes can be known everywhere throughout the digital world, just like that, right? That's, that's the world that we live in. And we don't want to live that way. Do we? No, we don't. We don't wake up saying, I want to be foolish. I want to wreck my life. We say, no, I want to wake up this morning and I want my life to work well. And God says, I want your life to work well. I want your life to work well. And what is life essentially is just making decisions, right? I mean, again, I freely dispense my abundance of wisdom to my kids unsolicited all the time. And I just remind them, I say, look, life is simple. Make good choices. That's it. And don't make bad choices, right? That's all that you do in life. Every day, you just make choices. You make choices about what you're going to eat. Proverbs talks about that. You make choices about what you're going to drink. Proverbs talks about that. You make choices about your career. Proverbs talks about that. You make choices about your sleep, how much you're going to sleep or not sleep. Proverbs talks about that. Proverbs talks about your money, your wealth, talks about your family, your friends, and talks about uh, everything that you can imagine is just a discrete, simple, granular life choice that you make. And God says, let me show you how to make that well, because I want my best for you. Why study the book of Proverbs? Because God has given us his wisdom and told us this is the way life. So let's dig in a little deeper. When we talk about wisdom, what are we talking about? Wisdom is, in the simplest terms, skillful living. Now notice, wisdom is not the same as intelligence. Wisdom is not the same as intelligence. Uh, You and I have probably all known really, really, really smart people who made really, really, really foolish and self-destructive decisions, especially in an academic community. We see it all the time. 
Uh, when I was growing up, uh, there were two boys who lived across the street from me. Uh, I will not name names because just on the very, very off chance that they might hear this message and um, realize I'm associating <laughs> this terrible illustration with them. Uh, but anyway, they were, they were brilliant. These, these brothers were brilliant. Brilliant family. Uh, both boys got a 1600 on their SAT, nailed it. Didn't miss a single question on their SAT. Also, they made lots of really stupid decisions, right? They're always breaking things and getting injured and doing stuff. Well, I remember one day their, uh, their basketball goal came down and the bolts broke and their parents weren't around and couldn't take them to the, the hardware store to get new bolts. Now, if you're in my generation, you will remember this, but uh, do you remember when, when Superglue first came out, there was a, a commercial for Superglue. In the commercial, there was a, like a construction worker and he had a hard hat on and his hard hat was glued to this big I-beam and he's hanging on, on his construction hat like that. He's hanging on his hat, swinging his legs like his, his hat is glued to the I-beam. And so they had a little packet of super glue on their side. They decided, this is easy. We'll just glue our basketball goal back to the backboard. Now, you know, I, I, I saw him start this process, so I walked over and I'm asking him, I'm just laughing at him, that's oh, not going to work, whatever. And then I just went back to my house and I just sat at my window and I was, Opened my window and I'm yelling at him across the street and watching him because you had to let it cure for 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's really hard to hold a, a goal up for 20 minutes. You're, you get tired. So they put a ladder up and one would hold it up and then he'd, he'd scooch to the side and he, his brother would come up and they'd swap places and then he'd climb down, right? And then wait a few more minutes to get tired and then they'd go up and down, right? And they just, for 20 minutes, they're going up and down. They're going up and down. And I'm just looking out the window, yelling at him, laughing at him, right? Gets to the end of 20 minutes. They've watched it. They've clocked it. Let go. It stayed. They turn around like, yeah, right? Pick up the ball, boom, comes down, just like that, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. That, that was, they also both, uh, freshman year, flunked out of Ivy League schools. 1,600 on their SATs, but they just didn't know how to live life, right? So wisdom is about living life. Wisdom is about living skillfully. It's not merely about intelligence. So let me break this down for you a little bit. Proverbs chapter 8 in verse 35. This is wisdom speaking. This lovely woman, wisdom is speaking, and she says this. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. Good decisions yield good outcomes. Poor decisions Poor outcomes. Immediately? No. Eventually? Yes. Right? It's, it's like gravity or the imagery that we picked. It's like a river flowing. You can dam up the river for a little while, but water always flows downhill. It eventually will find its way through. It will leak through. This is the way life works. Why is that? Because wisdom's everywhere. It's inescapable. Look at verse 22. Again, this is the extended metaphor where wisdom is uh, describing herself and inviting anyone who wants to enjoy her riches. Verse 22, she says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. From everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth. While he had not yet made the earth in the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. 
when he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not, command, would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Wisdom says, before God made everything, I was there. And then when he started making things, I was his delight. That is, he used me to create. That's why I often describe it as wisdom is woven into the very fabric of the universe. It's everywhere. And when you choose to go God's way, life works well. When you choose to go your own way, life doesn't work well. So let's break it down a little bit further. Wisdom is skillful living, and it includes, I would say, these four characteristics. Knowledge, character, discernment, all lived out practically in our lives. So first, knowledge includes, or wisdom includes knowledge. Look at verse chapter 1, again in verse 2. It says, to know wisdom and instruction. Verse 5. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand. So the word that he's using there for understanding or knowledge is experiential knowledge. It's looking out at the way life works and learning and taking the lesson and not ignoring the lesson. It includes knowledge. So wisdom does not end with intellectual knowledge, but it's not devoid of knowledge either. It's according to truth. Right? Knowledge is, or wisdom is according to truth. It's according to knowledge. A great illustration of this, I think, is uh, Hudson Taylor, who's a missionary uh, to China. And when Hudson Taylor decided that he wanted to go to China and felt like God was calling him there, he realized he needed to bring with him a skill. So he studied medicine so that he could be of benefit to the people. And then as others were wanting to join him in this ministry in China, he realized, I need to understand something about human resources and screening people. And also, as they come, they've got challenges and problems. I need to understand something about counseling and how to uh, raise money in an appropriate way and manage the money, right? So he increased his knowledge. Wisdom includes knowledge, seeing how life actually works and understanding it. But it's more than knowledge. It also includes moral character. Look at verse 3. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness means living according to the standard which is God. Living my life consistent with who God is in his moral character. Justice means judging life accurately according to God's standard. Equity means treating other people according to God's righteousness, treating them with fairness and kindness consistent with God's character. So we've all known people who are very knowledgeable, but their knowledge is not united with moral character. And the result is... Pride. Now, I say that because I think that's really, really critical, particularly in a college community. Because in this community, there is this underlying belief that knowledge is our savior. Right? We can figure anything out. We can solve anything out through our understanding, through our creation of technology, through our education of people. We believe that knowledge, in a sense, is 
the salvation. And so you see people who have uh, paper after paper after paper, all kinds of certifications and degrees all over their walls, and then they make immoral decisions, and they ruin their own lives, and they ruin the lives of people around them. That's not wisdom, and wisdom is better than knowledge. So knowledge has to be united with character, with moral character. Third, wisdom includes discernment. Wisdom includes discernment. Verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding. So to discern means uh, that you've got the ability to make distinctions because life is so frequently not black and white. It's gray and you're presented with, you know, bad option, mediocre option, good option, good option, best option. How do I, how do I discern? How do I distinguish between options? Philippians chapter 1, Paul put it like this. In his prayer for the Philippian believers, he says, This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And notice how, how knowledge and character are linked with one another. This I pray that your love may abound more and more in real or true knowledge and all discernment, so that you may test and approve literally the things that differ. Right? So that you can... You can distinguish that. You can see what, what actually matters, what's relatively important. Uh, my friend Dick Davison used to always say, wisdom is knowing the relative importance of things. So you've got a lot of things in your life. They're, they're important, but what's most important, what's secondary? Wisdom is putting these things in priority. Remember uh, Solomon's prayer here in 1 Kings 3. He said, so give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And right after he, he asked for wisdom, he was confronted with two women who came to him and they each said, uh, this is my baby. My baby's the living one and her baby is the one that is dead. And they were both sincere in their proclamation. How could Solomon discern? Well, he had to listen to the voice of God. And God showed him the way. And he acknowledged all wisdom comes from God. So as we work our way through the book of Proverbs, you're going to see this tension, right? This need for discernment. Um, we're exhorted, don't, don't be greedy and don't hoard, but also save for the future. So when has my saving for the future become greed or become fear? Well, wisdom tells me. We're told to uh, be generous to those who are around us who are in need, those who are poor. But when has my generosity begun to really facilitate somebody else's foolish behavior? Well, wisdom tells me. Here's one of my favorites, Proverbs 26. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. Answer a fool as his folly deserves, so that he not be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Answer him, don't answer him. Uh, discernment. Sometimes you should answer and sometimes you should not answer. And that requires wisdom. So wisdom is skillful living. It includes knowledge, character, discernment that's not just in your head, but it's actually practically worked out in your life. So the word wisdom means almost literally skillful living. Let me read to you one illustration of this. It's from the book of Exodus, chapter 31. And it's describing a man named Bezalel, who was a craftsman, and God gave him wisdom for his craft. Okay? See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. 
I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze and in cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. So he's given wisdom so that he can use his skill so that other people can receive good from his skill and they can worship. And what I find so, so fascinating about that verse is Bezalel is the first person in all of Scripture who's, being, who's described as being filled with God's Spirit. And his wisdom is worked out practically through his skill in life. And so wisdom applies to all of these just kind of basic life Decisions, what to eat, what to drink, how much money to save, how much money to spend, the friends you choose, the job you choose, your, your diligence, your labor. I mean, it's just, it's just it's right there, working things out, working life out, right? Again, you're my generation. This is MacGyver, right? I mean, he's got a paper clip, and he's got duct tape and a ball of twine, and he saves the world. That's wisdom, right? It's working it out practically. And God says, my way is best, and my way works. Will you trust me? So, how do we apply this? I'm going to give you three things to think about this week. The first is this, choose wisdom. You got breath in your lungs. You may have walked in here in a pretty foolish mindset, but being made in the image of God means you get to make real choices with real consequences. You can choose wisdom. Today, you can choose a different path. But you need to discern what kind of person are you right now. Proverbs describes four different kinds of people. There's the fool who just won't listen. Proverbs just doesn't help the foolish person because the foolish person says no. Then there's the mocker who not only won't listen but makes fun of foolishness. Just He, he mocks any of God's wisdom. Uh, again, Proverbs doesn't help the fool or the mocker much, but you don't have to stay there. There's also the naive person. The naive one is kind of a blank slate and is needing to make a decision. Will I listen to this, this beautiful woman called Wisdom who's drawing me to, to give her riches to me or while I choose my own way. That, the, the naive person's kind of the blank slate. And then there's, there's the wise person who realizes all wisdom's from God and they've got a little bit of wisdom and they just want more. And Proverbs is written to those people who say, I just, I want more. And today, you can walk out of here saying, I want more and I'm willing to listen. So Solomon will say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not necessarily more degrees and further education, but the fear of the Lord, acknowledging uh, God is the source of all wisdom. He's the giver of all wisdom. And if I want my life to work well, I have to say yes to God and no to myself. Will you be that person? You can make that choice this morning. So I'd encourage you, as you're walking out, choose wisdom. Uh, I remember vividly as a, as a kid, I don't, I don't remember what, how old I was, but I want to say I was probably like eight or nine years old. And I remember uh, reading this story about Solomon being uh, told by God that he could ask for anything. And I remember reading that story thinking, what, what, what would I ask? And how remarkable it is, you know, he didn't ask for wealth first thing. I remember reading that story, he asked for wisdom. And uh, I started, I just started literally asking God for wisdom. I said, God, make me wise. Because I, I read the rest of the story of Solomon and saw how, how his life turned out. And I remember thinking subsequently, I think if God asked me that question, what I'd ask for is this. I'd say, God, uh, would you let me finish my life well? I want to finish well. I don't want, I don't want to be, you know, the, the tragic story like Solomon who, you know, the footnote says, do as I say, not as I do. I want to finish 
life well. And so I began asking God, God, would you make me wise? Would you help me understand constantly that I possess no wisdom, but you do, and you give it to me freely? Would you just not let my heart be hard so I could finish well? And I want to encourage you and exhort you as you walk out of here. Start asking God every single day to just make you wise. That your heart would stay soft before the Lord. Second, you can do that practically. Start reading Proverbs chapter a day. If you do that this summer, you can read through the whole book of Proverbs three times. Uh, I'd encourage you to maybe switch translations each time. I, I, I literally have no idea how many times I've read through the book of Proverbs, but I, um, my Bible that I preach from is New American Standard. Um, I'll read it a lot in New American Standard, but then I'll switch to the Net Bible and the New Living Translation. Uh, if you want some really creative translations, the message is kind of interesting, um, but it gives you these different twists on what Solomon might be saying, and it just stays super fresh. And if you do a chapter a day through the summer, you'll have read through the book of Proverbs uh, three times. Just let God's wisdom soak into you. And then third, uh, start with Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, Paul wrote, in Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as I said earlier, it may be that you came in here this morning and you're not sure if you have a relationship with God through Jesus. This is where you start, right here. Uh, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What a foolish thing that the Son of God would take on human flesh. The creator of the universe would die for those that he created. That's foolishness to the world, but Paul says that's wisdom from God. Because you can't have life with God, which is what you need the most, apart from Jesus Christ. And so maybe your starting point this morning is just, again, to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you took on human flesh and that you died for my sins. I receive your gift. The moment that you do that, your debt of sin is removed. You have eternal life, but also God's spirit begins to dwell inside of you, and God's spirit begins to guide you toward wisdom and away from foolishness, away from your own way and toward God's way, and you can begin to listen to the voice of God's spirit, but the starting point may be just to say yes to Jesus. So if you haven't said yes to Jesus this morning, let me encourage you to do just that. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that you freely offer wisdom. I thank you that um, we can trust you, that you do know what's best, your way is best. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be soft before you, uh, that we wouldn't be stubborn. I pray that we would trust that what you say is true. And I pray, Father, for each of us that we would actually grow in wisdom, that our, our skill in living would increase this summer. And I pray, Father, that we would be people who are like iron sharpens iron, that we would share our wisdom with one another and uh, we would experience all of the best that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.